This episode brought to you by Own the Gray Podcast. Discover how others age with attitude at ownthegray.ca. The best conversations happen when we're having lunch with our friends, especially when one is a healer. Pull up a chair and join us to expand your knowledge and open your mind. Welcome to the Lunch with a Healer podcast. I'm Dr. Susan Hoffman. I'm here today with my guest, Limor Bergman, and we're discussing building confidence in life and in the workplace. Limor works with women to support them in their challenges in the workplace, building their confidence and self-esteem so that they can achieve greater success. Welcome, Limor. Hi, Dr. Susan. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Tell my listeners a little bit about your background. Absolutely. Nice to meet you. I'm Limor. I'm currently based in Israel for the last two years. I mean, it's my home country. And I got back after spending nine years in the US, got back just before COVID. My background is actually software engineering. I started my career as a software engineer, grew to leadership positions. And that's what I did until two years ago. And my last role, I was a director of engineering. I managed an organization of engineers and managers. We decided to return to Israel from personal reasons, not related to, uh, you know, to work. Upon that uh, change, I also decided to change my career and focus really on my passion. So that's what I do for the last two plus years. I focus on supporting women, uh, specifically women in tech, helping them through mentorship and coaching, really get the confidence in themselves and elevate their careers. Wonderful. So how did you find this passion? Yeah, it was gradual. It didn't happen in one day. I was always passionate about supporting women in the tech field. And I think it, it comes a lot because I am a woman and I was working mostly with men throughout my career. It didn't bother me so much personally, but it did bother me that I'm a lot of times the only woman and I wanted to see more women there. So as I grew into leadership positions, I had more control, uh, I would say more influence on different things like hiring, for example. And I was always passionate to try to figure out how to increase the number of women in my team or organization and in the company. Throughout doing that, I realized that that's actually something I want to focus on, not just as part of my job. My last position at, at DigitalOcean, I was uh, working with a company that I'm working with also today. I consulted them called Power to Fly, mm -hmm. which are focused around uh, underrepresented groups. I realized that what they do actually really aligns with my passion. So what are the steps? How do you mentor women in their career growth? I think it really depends. They come to me with different you know, uh, challenges. Some of them actually know what they want. So, for example, I have women that are already on a specific career path. They know what they want. A lot of times they are not sure that they are capable in doing that. They're not sure how. So we work together in find, finding out what they can do, uh, open up their mind to possibilities that they have and how to advance their careers. Sometimes people, you know, women come to me and they're not really sure what's next to them. What do they want to do? And then we work on figuring out their passions, figuring out what do they like doing, what are they passionate about, and also identifying their strength and finding a combination between 
strengths, passions, and value for employers or for clients. And the triangle between those three, the combination, that's the power. So in doing so, do you have them analyze perhaps what internal resistances, any blocks that they have, or self-limiting beliefs? Well, typically we discover those uh, through our sessions. We discover what, what is holding them back uh, by asking them, like, a lot of times I ask them, like, what is stopping you, <laughs> you know, from, from doing this? And then we uncover a lot of times a lot of confidence issues or some limiting beliefs in their ability to even do what they want to do. So how do you get them to release this and build their confidence? It's not easy. By the way, I'm going through that myself. Like it's yeah. part of growth. Right. Part of growth to me is always taking one step back towards unfamiliar territories or being a little bit uncomfortable. I believe that you need to take small steps that takes you, you know, to a place that is uncomfortable but not terrifying. And that's why I try to do with those women. Again, I don't force anyone to do something they don't want. But usually we work together to identify those next steps for them based on their goals, what steps they can take that feel uncomfortable but not terrifying. Gradually, I believe really in taking one small step at a time and being consistent. Things don't happen overnight and change requires time, patience, and persistence. Absolutely. Are a lot of these women, uh, are a lot of them like, they, do they want to be solopreneurs or entrepreneurs? Some, some, some want to be, uh, you know, either solopreneurs or to, to start something bigger than, than just themselves. And some just want to continue working for someone else, but they want to grow and excel in their careers. But even what you did, I mean, you you went from, uh, sounds like a very comfortable situation in the workplace to starting your own business. That that was challenging. You stepped out of your comfort zone, didn't you? Yeah, it was for me like an earthquake. Really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that was, yeah. To be honest with you, I mean, um, it was a combination of things. I think the move to a different country, moving back here, was a big enough change that they felt that that was my opportunity to make a big change in other aspects of my life. I don't know if I stayed in the U.S. till now, if I was brave enough to do it. Because everything was changing, I was like, okay, this is like, <laughs> everything is changing around me. I decided that it was the right time to make this change. I was kind of forced to because I had to, find if I wanted to, you know, I had to, I couldn't do the job I was doing in the U.S. because I worked mainly with people from U.S. and Canada, mainly North America time zones. Mm -hmm. And I had to switch a job. So I said, instead of looking for another job, I would just make the change now. I may never do it. Right. So what were the steps that you went through? A lot of exploration, you know, realizing what I actually wanted to do. I mentioned Power to Fly and I was their client. So I used their services when I worked with DigitalOcean and I reached out to their CEO, which I connected with, uh, you know, uh, as a client. And, and she asked me, so some of that just happened organically. She wanted me to work with her. So I started working with Power to Fly. 
I created a mentorship program there because I mentor for many years and I really believe in the power of mentorship for career growth. And then, you know, one thing led to another and now I'm doing business development for, for her. So things kind of, you know, organically changed, but I also took some decisions about those are the women I want to help because I felt that I want to combine like all my experience all the things I'm coming from, right? From the tech world, from being a leader in the tech world and help, helping women in similar situations, in similar backgrounds. So I figured out that's kind of my strength and the area that I'm passionate about. I want to help change the gender gap in the tech scene, like to right. get more women there and get more women to executive roles. Right. Do you find it the confidence, the lack of confidence can be grouped with lack of worthiness that they are deserving of high-ranking positions? It's really hard to say, you know, it, it really depends on, uh, on the specific individual and, and what is holding them back. Speaking more generically, I think the, the lack of confidence is coming in combination with a very male-dominant environment. A lot of times, very aggressive. I tell you also from personal experience, it, it really depends. It depends on the situation, but in general, in tech, when it's a male-dominant field, aggressive occasionally, and biased. There is bias. And all of that in combination is causing women to be less confident in their ability to get there. And I can tell you, for me, it was the same. I wasn't sure I would be able to get to higher roles because I also, it was hard for me to imagine myself getting there because all the people there were men. That's another problem. There is no role models or not enough role models in executive roles. There are, there are few and also, to be honest, uh, when there is someone so distant from you, like Sher Sandberg, she is a role model for sure. But if I think of myself and I compare myself to Cheryl, she seemed like so far away from me. Oh, she was, you know, I don't know how she did it. And I have no idea if it's possible for me. A lot of times we need the role models closer to us. Yeah. Uh, people that we feel like, oh, they've been there, done that. People we can actually talk to yeah. that are more approachable to us in order to really believe in our ability. Very much agree. What about some of your clients? Have they actually achieved certain levels and then a bit of imposter syndrome creeps in where they get to a position and they, uh, it's like, uh-oh, what if I really can't do this? Do you deal with that? <laughs> well, it's, it's a very good question. So what happens a lot of times is that we work towards achieving a goal. And let's say to get to the next level, to get, you know, promoted and all that. And then when they achieve it and they get to the next level, then they panic. Okay, what do I do now? Right. I'm like, it's almost like, am I allowed to be successful? Because they're not used to it, particularly women in positions like that. So how do you deal with that? Again, it's, it's all about trying to figure out where it's coming from. I, I try to get with them to the details and really to try to understand the more inner things. Where is it coming from? Why do you feel, you know, that maybe you're not good enough? Trying to look back at successes and celebrate what they've already achieved. A lot of times, not just them, but I'm talking also about myself. Personally, like we tend to always look forward and see, okay, now I reach the next level. What's next? And 
look at all the things we haven't done yet. Right. And we don't spend the time looking backwards at what we already achieved and where we are at today and celebrate it and appreciate right. ourselves for right. being able to get there. And when we do that, and I do that a lot with the women I'm mentoring, like when we look back and celebrate successes and even just look back and, and list all the things that we have we have been able to achieve, it gives us, it, it builds our, our confidence and gives us the belief that we can actually do it. Right. It's a motivation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you have them use creative visualization in terms of where they want to be? I use it, but every, every person likes different things. And I'll give an example. For example, I'm a very visual person. So I like to do things like creating a vision board or even to do like some imagination process. Try to imagine myself, really see myself in a few years from now. How do I look? What do I do? I really like visually to see. And I believe it's very, very powerful. But I, what I do when I work with women, I, I try to see what is working for them. What do they like to do? Right. Some of them may like to do the same things than I do, but some of them may prefer to write things down, try to write what does success look like to them? Right. How would success look like in a year from now, in two years, in three years, and maybe five years, if they can imagine that far in advance? I do very much believe in visual, visualization and just realize that everyone likes to use a different tool. I very much agree. What about if you're an introvert and you're in a man's world and you can't really can't be an introvert? I, I think that is not an unusual trait. Not at all. To be honest, I consider myself as an introvert person. How do you deal with that? And a lot of people are surprised when I say that, that I'm introverted or more towards introvert than, than an extrovert. And I was very shy as a child, very, very shy. What you do is realize, and this is what, what I did. So I realized that in order to succeed, I need to advocate for myself. I need to brag or Maybe brag is not the right word, but basically showcase my achievements. And I need to ask what I should get. And I worked on it step by step. I worked on it with trying to do public speaking. Like, for example, for me, public speaking is a thing that I constantly want to do because I believe that it helps me express myself better and also work on my confidence. So, for example, a lot of a lot of women that are introverted that they meet with, I try to encourage them to find opportunities to speak. Now, public speaking doesn't mean necessarily a TED talk. Right. It can be something very small. It can be even talking with one or two people at your workplace and presenting something. So I try to, to figure out what is the thing they can do in order to express themselves better, to showcase what they're doing, and that will take them one step, as I mentioned, like one small step forward. And again, it has to be something that they don't feel terrified with. For example, I have a woman I'm working with for about eight months now, and I still have not been able to convince her or to get her to the point that she'll feel comfortable presenting something. She have done a blog internally. She, she agreed to write something, but she didn't agree to present. So 
I realized that every person have their own pace. Mm -hmm. I just need to work with her and what is good for her and not challenge her too much that she'll be terrified. But taking those small steps, because it's so important, not just for women, by the way, for everyone, right? Because we tend to believe that if we do the work, if we do everything right, things will just happen to us. And unfortunately, it's not reality. It's not how things work. Yeah, that's where I guess the emotional intelligence comes in with the persistent perseverance factor. That's essential in this world, I think, anyway, in whatever you do. So everything that you've talked about, you know, all this coaching about confidence and about worthiness and the visualizations, the women that you've been mentoring and coaching, do they tell you that their life is getting better? It's not just the business aspect of their life. Do they feel that they have more control over their actions and how they want their life to become? So first of all, I I really believe that uh, eventually it impacts all the aspects of our life. It's all connected. I'll be be completely honest with you. Typically, women that come to me, they want to work on their career. And I work with them on the things that they want me to focus on. So typically, we don't touch things that are personal, like specifically in other areas of life. Sometimes we do do touch their well-being. Because I believe that a person has to take care of themselves, right? I mean, they, they cannot just take care of work. So we do touch areas related to well-being, you know, to taking some time for yourself, to taking care of your body and soul, physical activity, nutrition, all that. We do touch those aspects, but we typically don't touch, you know, other areas in life, like, I don't know, their spouse or children or whatever. I mean how it's affecting other areas, just because typically they don't come to me to work on those. Right. In your life, what's a non-negotiable for you? How do you keep yourself balanced? Okay, so that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I started working out um, regularly and did a big change in my life. Also nutritionally, I became vegan and, uh, and lost a lot of weight and all that uh, about six years ago. So non-negotiable for me is skipping workouts. I'm not saying that I work out every day. I try to work out five, five days a week. Usually this takes priorities on top of other things. Obviously, if there are emergencies in my family, I mean, of course it comes first. But for me, when I uh, schedule meetings, it cannot be on the time of my of my uh, workout. I mean, and you live in a climate where you can do these outside potentially. I don't know if you're a runner. Personally, yeah, I'm a runner. I love I love running, but I'll be honest with you, I love going to the gym. Yeah, it motivates me going to a place where you see others and you keep seeing the same people, and then you connect with others, and yeah. I like that. I know that some people prefer to go outdoors. Everyone, everyone is different and everyone kind of likes doing things differently. Right. But you've got the best combination and it's year round. I mean, you can go to the gym and then you can take a beautiful walk in the sunshine. So you yeah. really do have the best of both worlds, I must say. <laughs> this has been really interesting and it's been a pleasure. I want to thank you very much for your time, Lamore. 
Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a five-star review, and share it with your friends. And join us next time for Lunch with a Healer. your thoughts with us. Your comments, questions, and suggestions are all welcome. Go to speakpipe.com slash lunchwithahealer and record your message. Try it out today. Mm-hmm.